We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. We're in the aftermath of Denver's ninth loss. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my fellow football priest, partner in crime. You know him, you love him as the deputy editor at Mile High Huddle, Zach Kelberman. Zach, bro, here we are in the aftermath. How are you feeling today? We got a lot of news to get to, but you you made an interesting comment about the pressers and I think just the overall how you're feeling about this team right before we went live. I, I think you should maybe share that with people. Yeah, I mean, all the pressers sound the same now. Hackett goes up there after every loss and says, it starts with me, we have to be better. And like you tweeted yesterday, he said, I think the offense wasn't good enough today. And you're like, you think, Nate? You know, it's it's like he's not going to say anything different. The Broncos aren't going to make changes until after the season. It's very much status quo. And they're going into their first matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs. And may I remark, a pissed-off Kansas City Chiefs team after losing to Cincinnati, it's not going to be pretty you know, we talk about the news that happened before we start the podcast, and we're going to go over the news today. But in terms of how I feel, it's the exact same. It's pure apathy, as is uh, most of the fan base is sharing. And it's something I put on Twitter yesterday, which is pretty pathetic. You know, the Broncos, say what you want about them. They played a football game yesterday, and they lost that football game in particular soul-crushing fashion. And everyone had the same reaction, which was, well, oh, well, what are you going to do? That's, that's a horrible place to be in, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the universe, this is kind of a contradiction, but the universe has embraced the world of suck. It's become matter of course. It's become rote, R-O-T-E. It just is what it is, and that's a dat-gum shame for a once-proud franchise. I used to resist, Zach, saying during this bad stretch of Broncos football, I kind of bristled at saying, a once proud franchise because I thought, Hey, it's a flash in the pan. You know, this is one of the most storied franchises in league history. I'm not going to use that, but then it just kept stacking losing year after losing year. And now we're six seasons, Zach of losing football. So yes, I think now I can feel comfortable and confident calling it a once proud franchise. Now I'm, I think people are still proud to, to be Broncos fans considering the accomplishments this team has on its resume all time but Zach um, 
yeah, fans are going, what do I have to watch for anymore? I mean, obviously the team's not going to fire the head coach. Russ continues to basically tread water as the worst starting quarterback in the NFL right now. What do I have to watch for? Like, what purpose do I have to watch? What do you say to those people? You know, you and I were talking business the other day in terms of our all-time record on the website, and it got me thinking we've been podcasting together since 2018. What dawned on me was the fact that you and I have never experienced a winning season together covering the Broncos. And it's like, we think it's going to get better every year. And every year we say there's always next year. You know, though, it's like if you have a, a GPS app on your phone, sometimes it lets you know when you're coming up to an accident. And even when you do, you cannot look away from that accident. That is watching the Broncos every week. It's like, you know, it's going to be a train wreck, but you cannot look look away from it at all. You can talk about the younger players on the roster, their evaluation, their progression, players like Greg Dulcich, Damari Mathis, even Patrick Sertan. But in the big picture, we all know Hackett's getting fired after week 18. We all know that major changes are in store to the Broncos, and we have to just wait for those changes to be enacted by the ownership group. Guys, before we get going with the meat and potatoes of tonight's uh, stream, tonight's live stream pod, I want to give everybody an update on where things stand for the month of December. We're here on the fifth day, and as you know, we're going to be raffling off a jersey and the people in the running for that raffle are those who finish in the top five on Super Chat on YouTube. And right now, those five names go in a hat. This is who the five names would be. We draw one. That, that's the, the winner. Deanna is currently the defending champ from the month of November. She's got a jersey coming her way. And I'm not going to spoil what it was. It was a surprising choice. I'll let her uh, do the sharing on that when she gets it. But she's at number one. F.A. right now at two. Naj, the legend himself, at three. Jamil Thornzak, who made his presence felt yesterday on the gut reaction at four, and Ethan, the DWI guys across the pond at five, and then just a few of the names outside, like Aaron Lynch and Luke Ellis and Chris Hernandez, a legend, Gary Palmer, a legend, Mac Dog, a burgeoning legend. So there's there's your super chat rankings, uh, early five days in uh, to the month of December. But Zach, uh, on the topic of the news of the day, let's talk about first and foremost. Help me understand how a team that's a playoff, bona fide playoff contender, bona fide Super Bowl contender, you know, going toward the playoffs, would take a look at the Broncos roster and see a quarterback of worth that was that they could justify saying, we're going to sign you off the practice squad and we're going to add you to the roster. Josh Johnson, no longer a Bronco. What the heck is going on? Yeah, well, desperate times call for desperate measures. Uh, the Niners lost Jimmy Garoppolo to a season-ending, I believe, broken foot injury, and they only had Brock Purdy, who is this year's Mr. Irrelevant, on the roster. They lost Trey Lance earlier this year to a broken ankle, I believe. So they signed Johnson off the Broncos practice squad. And you know what? For week 14, when you need something in a pinch, Josh Johnson isn't the worst that you could do. He's not exactly Nathan Peterman. He threw for 349 yards and two touchdowns in preseason play with the Broncos. I personally thought he should have won the backup job over Brett Rippon. He's a capable game managing type of quarterback, like a, a lower end Jacoby Brissett. And for the Niners, from their point of view, if that's what I can get right now behind Brock Purdy, who threw for two touchdowns yesterday in a winning, you know, dominating effort over Miami, I think that's a, a decent move by John Lynch over there in the Bay Area. This is why Zach gets paid the big bucks, all right, as a writer. Josh Johnson is leaving the outhouse for the penthouse. Well done. That's a that's what you call a great open, um, my friend. Good job on that. Yeah, dude. Uh Happy trails, I guess, right? We hardly knew ye. 
Yeah, I mean, I wish him well in San Francisco. The Broncos are now down to two quarterbacks on the 53, of course, Russell Wilson and Brett Rippon, and they signed Jarrett Guarantano, I believe his name is, to the practice squad. He was a former Tennessee and Kansas State. I can't remember. Let me see. I have it in front of me right now. Washington State, excuse me, 38 starts at Tennessee, two at Washington State. He threw for a little over 6,400 yards, 39 touchdowns, and 20 interceptions as a six-year collegian. He's 6'4", 230, so he has prototypical build, Jed, but he is not the most, uh, I don't know, he's... He's a mediocre arm talent. You know, he's not the most mobile, not the most athletic, but he is a practice squad quarterback for a reason, undrafted rookie. So that's that's the guy taking uh, Johnson's spot on the practice squad. Interesting that he landed with the Cardinals um, as an undrafted rookie. Yeah. The air raid, right? The the uh, Cliff Kingsbury version of that offense. Um, I don't know anything about this guy. To be frank with you, we'll, we'll continue to learn about Guarantano, but now the Broncos have a, an emergency quarterback, I guess. But uh, who are we kidding, Zach? The Denver Broncos, it's not like, barring an injury, they're going to be – Russell Wilson's not going to be starting games for this team. I mean, they're locked in, dude. And even though there were questions last week of the possibility of maybe putting in Brett Rippon or making some kind of a quarterback change, uh, that would be like the ultimate – defeat that would be the ultimate fire yourself move if you're george payton hackett already knows he's heading out but like that's just not gonna happen zach but um there is some some interesting historical precedent that at a certain point tonight i want to get to thomas hall had a good article on this that would at least provide a little hope that if the broncos do indeed make the right coaching hire post hackett that there is lots of hope optimism for russ uh, bouncing back, so to speak. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Listen, I had to survive a game where Kendall Hinton played quarterback. I am not watching a Broncos game with Jared Guarantano at quarterback. <laughs> but, you know, rewatching the game yesterday, I thought Russ played fine. Honestly, he made some big-time throws when given the opportunity. I know it wasn't good enough. I know he still has more bathrooms than touchdown passes on the season. But if you look at the game film, I thought there's some optimism from uh, the tape that he put out yesterday. Yeah, it was modest steps forward, unfortunately, and this was something that consumed much of Nathaniel Hackett's remarks today at the podium. Um, the biggest problem is still a astronomical, mind-boggling failure to execute on third down. And when you talk about, hey, they didn't even get into the red zone, let alone could they score a touchdown, that is the problem right there, is third down execution. And what's ironic about it yesterday was – in the first half anyway, the Denver Broncos stayed very committed to the run game. They stayed balanced in the sense that the Ravens couldn't as easily predict what was going to come. And they weren't in a ton of, not to say there weren't too many, there were, but it wasn't as the usual game, Zach, where it's like every third downs, third and nine, third and 12, third and 13. You know, they had some favorable situations, but they're just not executing uh, on the money down, as they call it. Well, I see some blowback in the comments. He did fine, LOL, nine points. I said it wasn't good enough, but uh, but compared to his other recent outings, he made some throws that look like vintage Russell Wilson, and he was doing that, throwing to fifth-string receivers. Cortland Sutton went out with an injury. Uh, Jerry Judy banged up. K.J. Hamler banged up. I mean, who does he really have out there that's semi-reliable? Greg Dulcich, a rookie? Not saying it was good enough. They have to be a lot better. The reason they lost yesterday, I believe, was more on the offense, and Russ is the captain of the offense. But the individual films, what he can do when even given a second and a half of time to throw, I thought you can take a little bit of encouragement out of that and apply it to next season with a different coaching staff. Diamond Rattler, great to have you in the chat tonight, my friend. Heard that George Payton is gone after the season two. Now I know why he hasn't fired Hackett. He knew he'd be gone a couple weeks ago, seeing how this season turned out. Where would he be going? Back to Minnesota. Well, his there's a whole new regime in Minnesota. His his guy that his best friend and mentor in the scouting business. Um, what's his name, dude? I just brain farted. Spielman. Rick Spielman. Uh, got 86 at the end of last season along with the coaching staff, Mike Zimmer and company. So who knows? But that's not a bona fide guarantee. Um, but let's let's use our, our powers of deduction here, Zach, and look at this from a rational perspective. When I'm trying to think which game it was, was it the Titans? No, it was the Raiders. When the when Broncos got swept by the Raiders and that um, hum, humiliation was was made complete, we thought there's no way Hackett's not getting fired Monday morning. But sure enough, he shows up to the podium, off he goes. It's a rinse repeat. And that night at the at the mic, Zach, when we did our aftermath pod, you postulated a theory that kind of speaks to this, which was at the time, well, maybe it's because the ownership group here 
is saying to uh, Hackett, you no longer have the power to hire and fire because your neck's on the line right now, too. These are now decisions completely out of your hands. The Walton Penner Group will decide at their uh, leisure. It's not your prerogative anymore. So maybe there's some truth to it, but I haven't heard anything concrete from a source I would trust that Peyton, I mean, obviously he's in danger, right? There's, there's, that goes without saying that, that there's a chance, what I'm getting at. But nothing concrete, Zach, that, yeah, you might as well start packing your bags and sell that house you bought in Denver. Yeah, not to disprove my own theory, but um, I feel like if that were the case, if they did strip George Payton of power, they would have went ahead and fired Hackett, you know, weeks ago. They would have stepped over Payton and, and made a decision to exert their own influence on the organization. But uh, even today, someone that I do trust that we've heard from is a friend of the show, actually. Benjamin Albright tweeted that George Payton is expected to be safe from the firing squad after the season. And that's the right move, I think, Chad. I, he deserves one more chance. I know everyone dogs him for the Wilson acquisition, the Hackett hiring. It's all hindsight now, but I think he's done more good than bad for the franchise, and he deserves one more chance to pick his uh, new head coach. But he would be tied directly to that head coach, and he'd be on a one-year audition in 2023. It's also quite conspicuous, Zach, that two of the coaches he didn't hire are having such – uh, great success in year one. I'm thinking up in Minnesota, Kevin O'Connell, and then, of course, Mike McDaniel, who they didn't even interview for what it's worth. McDaniel, it's so crazy, Zach. He comes up um, from the Shanahan tree, right? He was he was a Kyle Shanahan assistant and a former Mike Shanahan assistant, actually going way back, unless my memory betrays me. But uh, either way, when Sean McVay got hired as the Rams head coach a few years back now, he was like the last kid at the dance that, you know, the music stopped. It's like musical chairs and whoever's on the last one out, right? Doesn't have a seat. He was that guy without a seat. And when the Rams interviewed him, it was like he's the only like semi-plausible option left. No one wanted that job. He was eager for a head job. So they interviewed him and he got the job. It was kind of like that for McDaniel with the Miami Dolphins job. Like he wasn't an in-demand guy. He wasn't turning down. Like he was kind of an afterthought too. one of the last coaches hired in the cycle. And then if you look at that now, Zach, from the perspective of George Payton, and then I'll read Garth and serve this over to you. It just makes the sting all the more. It just smarts even more when you see O'Connell, who was purportedly one of the finalists, three finalists for the Broncos job, making hay in Minnesota, McDaniel doing what he's doing. And then we'll grab Garth. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right with the candidates. All of them are having such exponential success. And uh, Nathaniel Hackett's the one guy, the runt of the litter, so to speak, that's just underperforming. But I do question how much, let's say they would have hired McDaniel, who has Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and Tua in Miami. You know, Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota has JJ, has Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, TJ Hawkinson. Now, those are loaded offenses. Who do the Broncos really have when you boil it down? Cortland Sutton, who's now injured, and uh, a rookie tight end in Greg Dulcich. I, I just, you never really know in hindsight who the right guy is, but it's, the Broncos luck completely. If you have five candidates and four of them would turn out good, one's not going to turn out good. They picked the one that wasn't a learning lesson. So McDaniel is of course a Colorado boy. He's from Aurora, went to Smoky Hill high school. He was a Mike Shanahan intern in 2005. And then when Gary Kubiak got his head coaching gig with the Texans in 2006, he followed. And then basically it was either working for Kubiak or Kyle Shanahan. And then later, uh, Mike, with Washington from 2011 through uh, 
2013 uh, and so on. But I digress. Garth Knight, um, the fact that Hackett is still here makes me think he can hold on like Sherry from that Steve Perry song. He's a likable guy. Do you know this? These lyrics, Scott. Does this ring a bell to you, Zach? I'm not. I'm. I'm not enough of. I know who the man is. I know he's the singer for Journey, but I don't know Journey very well, except for like, uh, "Don't Stop Believing." Appreciate you, Garth. Thanks, Bud, for the super chat. Chris Chance is in the house. He says, "Still the Chad Zach Scott, still the best in the business." We, dude, that's so kind of you. We appreciate you, bro. Oh, Scott's singing the tune right now. Oh, Sherry, I'm alone. Hold on, hold on. Oh, Sherry. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still don't know it, but I'm 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 starting to capture the uh, catch the vision here. Don Juan, what's up, buddy? He says, "Evening, Priest. I wish the Broncos got Coach Prime." Dion, Zach, how are you feeling about Dion uh, taking his talents to the fine state? I thought it's very telling that he would have his introductory press conference during a Broncos game. Colorado is no longer uh, Broncos territory. It's Buffalo's territory. And that's it comes with the no pun intended territory when you hire a coach of Prime's magnitude. Not to get into a college football tangent, I don't know how good of a coach he is specifically. I know he's a terrific recruiter, uh, one-of-a-kind personality. He will put CU back on the map. I do love his coordinator choices, though. He got the uh, head coach from Kent State to be his OC, and they're targeting Mike Zimmer to be the DC there for CU. So big moves for the Buffaloes. The Broncos, not so much. Uh, Dion signed a five-year, $29.5 million deal with CU. And that's according to uh, Brian Howell of the Boulder Daily Camera, for what it's worth. Uh, David Wilder, good to see you, brother. Thank you for the support on Facebook. Uh, yep, good to see you, big dog. We are uh, going to be doing something cool for Facebook. So, guys, when you when you go, well, wait a minute, we're on Facebook, and where, where's our jersey giveaway? Where's our opportunity? The only reason that isn't happening is because right now Facebook, uh, they're, they're – uh, the tools they give us to track stars and all that for some reason they change things and it's, we can't track them outside of an individual episode. And so just trust at the end of this month, we're going to, we're going to pick someone who's been just hella outgoing on Facebook and they'll get a, a Jersey of their choice as well. Trust on that. Uh, Sam Bam, bro, legendary figure. He's got bona fide super chat, superstar status here at MHH. He says with a very generous super Hello, Chad and Zach. Chad, I really liked your article about Sean Payton potentially being the Broncos head coach. How realistic do you think that possibility is? And is there a way to get him without using any draft picks? Go Broncos. Um, well, the the premise of the article, the sell, as it were, uh, was that the Broncos have three obstacles they need to overcome in order to get Sean Payton here. First and foremost, you got to lure him back. He's got to want to come back. You, you know, he's got to want to return to coaching and he's got to also want to return to coaching by doing so for the Denver Broncos and the current lay of the land. These are all topics we talked about yesterday, but that's obstacle. Number one, does, can you get him back into the coaching world? Number two is if you do, uh, what's it going to take to convince new Orleans to, uh, let him come. Right. Like seriously, Zach, out, they might demand more than a first-round pick if he d decided to return to the coaching ranks. It was a really good article of yours, Chad. I put it in the comments section for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. I would encourage reading that story. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To me, it's less about the money, obviously, because the Broncos can write Sean Payton a blank check. If it comes down to money, I like the Broncos odds. It's less about the capital because they have a first round pick. Uh, they have two thirds. They have maybe some players they can throw New Orleans away to make a deal happen. The biggest obstacle in landing Sean Payton, the pipe dream of mine, would be convincing Sean Payton that he should be the head coach of the Broncos, convincing Sean Payton that he wants to inherit a perennially losing team with a 34-year-old quarterback who some say is unfixable, is irreparable. That, to me, is the biggest make-or-break factor in potential Sean Payton negotiations. I would go all out if I'm Greg Penner, if I'm Rob Walden, if George Payton sticks around. I would make the the pitch of a lifetime. You know, Elway... Peyton Manning type of pitch to get him to Denver because they need someone of his expertise. I just don't know when you stack up coaching Russell Wilson versus coaching Justin Herbert or Kyler Murray, it doesn't look good for the Broncos looking at it through that prism. So it would also be very confusing because you already have two prominent names, Peyton, both spelled differently associated with the Broncos, Peyton Manning, George Peyton. Then you would add Sean Peyton, whose name is also spelled differently from both those guys. I mean, man, it would be a who's who for the um, anal retentive in Broncos country. But look, Peyton's got to want to return, as Zach just said. And I think there's uh, it's pretty obvious he caught a little burnout in the wake of the Drew Brees retirement. If he does want to return to the NFL, got to want to come to Denver and clean up the mess. That's a big if. And then if those two dominoes are in alignment, as I say here in the piece, you got to pry him off the Saints' hands. So it's a possibility. And one of the – one of the uh, key things I, I point to in this piece, Zach, is nothing rings the bell like money, okay? And he obviously has a fire for the NFL still burning somewhere because he's he signed a deal to do some a- analysis stuff with Fox Sports. So if he still is tangentially tied to the NFL and you go in and you're Don Corleone and you make him an offer he can't refuse, then boom, um, then the only other obstacle is Hey, Saints, what will you give for him? Here's a first-round pick. You know, we'll sweeten it with maybe this player or something, or even cash, which you can do in the NFL. So um, on that side of things. So we'll see. Phil, right back at you, bro. Good evening. He says, did I miss it? Was Nick Benito in the game? Shall we examine? Let's examine. Um, I'll pull up the uh, – Zach, do you remember what – you, what do you remember seeing from Benito yesterday? And I'll pull up the game – I, I mean, he played. I didn't see much in terms of a, a stat sheet filler kind of game from Benito, but uh, Jonathan Cooper looked a lot better than Benito did, in my opinion. So Benito, according to the game capsule, the number of snaps he got. Let me see. Benito. 
I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. One snap on defense, Zach. One snap <laughs> on defense. Let me let me let me juxtapose that real quick. Okay. Um, Browning played 50 snaps, which was 69% of the defensive snaps. Martin, the new kid from uh, the Jets, um, 43 snaps, so 60%. And then Jonathan Cooper, 42% or 42 snaps, which was 50. So they mainly leaned on that trio, right, as a rotation because, Zach, why? I'll tell you why. They can't trust Nick Benito because they knew even if Lamar goes out, Huntley's the next guy in, and you got to have gap and edge setting discipline and ability against a team like the Ravens. And the irony is it didn't avail them in the final analysis, dude, when the chips were down, um, it didn't, it wasn't enough to overcome that obstacle. You know, when I see Russell Wilson running for his life on almost every drop back, I say to myself, thank God the Broncos used that second round pick on Nick Benito. That's see, that's the thing right there. If you want to knock George Payton for something to me, it's not acquiring Russ or hiring Hackett, looking back on it, it's neglecting the offensive line so um, hauntingly as he has. I mean, it really is scary how he left up to chance. Billy Turner at right tackle. Reisner, who struggled last year under Mike Munchak at left guard, didn't do enough to address the center position. Left Cushenberry in there. I mean, the neglect on the O-line when you traded for and paid a $245 million quarterback, to me, was striking and still is. Yes, and the implications uh, are not good. As Scott brings up in our little side chat here, Nick Benito would have eaten up that Falale. I, I always butcher his name, the kid from Minnesota, the tackle, uh, especially in the fourth quarter, and I'm sure you're right on that, Scott. Uh, but how do you feel about him against the run? That would be my question. I think that's why he wasn't on the field. A couple other things. Look at this real quick. Zach, before I, I get off the playtime percentage thing, uh, on defense, and by the way, Alex Singleton, third consecutive 100-tackle-plus season. How are you feeling about Alex Singleton, who played 88% snaps yesterday? Him and Josie had 17 tackles apiece, and I think it's ironic because he literally is Josie Jewell. They're both really, really good against the run, but they're both, in my opinion, liabilities and pass coverage. So it's a nice guy to have, and I would consider bringing him back even if only only as a depth piece, but they still need that dynamic sideline to sideline inside linebacker who can win against the pass. Scott says, I said, how would he have done a, a, against the run? You know, et cetera. He goes 91 yards and four minutes to go. I don't care how he does against the run. <laughs> you just get out there and throw your, what passes for this year. Anyway, first round pick it was pick 64 is the second round uh, into the fray and let the chips fall. Um, Look at the defensive guys, Zach, who played 100% snaps. Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, and the two corners, Pat Sertan and Damari Mathis. Very interesting. That tells you how, uh, I think, how bare the cupboards are in the secondary. That's nothing against those guys because they're all quality players in their own right, and Sertan's a bona fide superstar. Same with Simmons when he's got his head on straight. But the fact that Damari Mathis is being leaned on, Zach, to play 100% snaps, that's uh, that's telling, I think, both that they trust him. They're trusting him as the season goes on. Uh, Ejiro Evero and CP, Christian uh, Parker, the, the secondary coach. And just also they don't have very many options behind them in terms of giving them breathers. 
I think Damari is going to be an excellent corner uh, in the future. I think this is a tremendous learning experience for him. The more reps, the better. But if you can scroll up, I want to make the same point on the offensive side as you just made about the players that are seeing action. You know, we wonder why, why the Broncos offense isn't good, why Russell Wilson's struggling. If you look right there, I mean, Calvin Anderson, 100% of snaps. Cameron Fleming, 100%. You have Kendall Hinton playing 77% of offensive snaps. Latavius Murray, 68. Eric Tomlinson, 51. Saubert, 49. Brandon Johnson, 47. These are not NFL quality starters. These are all practice squad guys and third and fourth stringers. So the problem, as much as it is coaching, and it is a largely, it's also a talent issue. And that's why I ask myself if they were to have hired McDaniel or, you know, Kevin O'Connell, would the results be that much different with the injuries that have plagued this Broncos team? I don't know. Well, I would also argue, though, that we don't know that the same injuries would have befallen these guys with a different coaching staff because there's a lot from factor perspective that goes into that calculus for better or for worse. I'm not trying to make an argument. I'm just saying like the preseason thing, sitting the starters in the preseason, not exposing them to the, to the fire, so to speak. We don't know exactly what impact that had on perhaps the, the epidemic of injuries they've had and other things, you know, the intensity of camp, the way they did things in, in training camp, uh, et cetera. Now guys like Timmy P, Hey, that was going to happen regardless of, who probably was the head coach, but I don't know, man. Unless know. the new head coach fired Lauren Landau, I don't see how it would have changed anything. And he I might think have it's been. more of a Landau problem than anything else. I agree, but that guy, that coach might have had a connection from an old team, so I want to bring this guy with me or whatever. I'm just saying that on one hand, I'm not disagreeing with you, that how could any first-year head coach, or any head coach for that matter, expect to make hay with the level of injuries this team has sustained I mean, stud after stud right now, if you look at injured reserve, it's enough to send shivers up your spine. That is something that can't be, you know, you have to face that when it comes to the Nathaniel Hackett analysis. But is it enough to uh, justify the, I mean, it's one thing to come in, Zach, and fail to meet expectations and kind of, you win some, you lose some. As you pointed out yesterday, the Denver Broncos have not won a game on American soil in over two months. September 25th, with the MHH crew in attendance against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday night freaking – no, it wasn't Sunday night football. On uh, it, was a, it was an afternoon game, but I digress. No, it was Sunday night. Was it Sunday night? Yeah. That's One right. One of the rare primetime right. games the Broncos played well in or decently in. That's right, because it got dark, and I was confusing that with the – previous season with the Jets game here's my Um, thing though it's not just about the injuries I I mean it is but I don't think the talent level looking back on it was good enough especially on offense at least I'm not talking about the starters so much as I am the backups The, the cupboard was left kind of bare for everyone involved when your top two options on right tackle for example are Billy Turner and Tom Compton both coming off injuries, both who are, you know, went through IR and Billy Turner can't stay healthy. Tom Compton, for whatever reason, can't get on the field, even though he's supposedly healthy. That to me was a major failure by George Payton. I think in hindsight, if you want to make one bold take, it's that this roster wasn't as loaded as we made it seem to be. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to get your take on this Thomas Hall piece that I thought was a very interesting read. He's a guy that he's kind of uh, he does a lot of analytics stuff for us. You guys know him, obviously, from the Legends of Mile High podcast on Friday. But um, Bob Morris, he does a lot of our cap stuff. He's certain analytical stuff. Tom Hall's analytics that he likes to lean on is just taking statistics and uh, breaking them down, adjusting them for era, and then breaking them down to draw conclusions and project perhaps future outcomes. And within that vein, okay, I want to read this to you real quick. I want to get your thoughts on a few of these salient points, Zach. He writes, quote, Tom Hall, Wilson's 2022 campaign is on pace to have between a 25 to 30% drop-off from the best season he ever had. He goes on to say, that is not unprecedented as 12 legendary quarterbacks had the same thing happen, What came after these historic drop-offs, though, is what analysts and fans can bicker over depending on their level of optimism, okay? And he goes on. I'm going to get down to uh, – he's got a few graphs and stuff. I don't want to bog it down too much. Uh, But here's a good example. Kurt Kurt Warner had a late start and a very choppy career, but he also rebounded from an awful stint with the New York Giants. Not unheard of for great quarterbacks to rebound from poor seasons. Wilson could be one of those players. Now, a little bad news. The careers of uh, guys like Boomer Esiason, Jim Kelly, don't look as good as the other quarterbacks mentioned. These three all had middle-age dips, so dips in their career when they hit kind of NFL quarterback middle age did not rebound well. They did rebound, but not enough to get excited about. And then his bottom-line takeaway here uh, from from the historical stats is it all indicates that, like many of the great quarterbacks, this is a very dense read, so I would suggest going and reading it when you get some time yourself. So I'm trying to boil this down. This indicates that like many of the great quarterbacks of the past, this season is a dip that Wilson will bounce back from. Here's the caveat. If the Broncos brass decides to make the correct calculated moves this off season, uh, off season, pardon, which would include hiring a head coach, Zach, and an offensive coordinator who can get the best out of the quarterback. So you want to salvage Russell Wilson, the historical record. I mean, obviously stands to reason, but also based on these legendary future hall of famers who had the middle of the middle age, uh, setback season, then they got the right coach and it was gangbusters. I respect the hell out of Thomas Hall. I really appreciate the article he put out to me though. It's just so hard comparing the Broncos from a historical perspective when the offense has been historically bad. I mean, it's unprecedented what we're seeing, Chad, how bad the offense really is. For example, Russell Wilson is on pace to finish with 12 passing touchdowns this season. His career low is 20, way back in 2014. Last year, he threw for 25, and that's after missing multiple games with that finger injury. So uh, we hope it can turn around. We hope they can find that guy that can get the most out of Russell Wilson. Of course, that goes without saying but it's so tough to compare what's already been done 
being in the present moment, not having the benefit of hindsight. In, in hindsight, we didn't know Russell Wilson was going to be this bad. We didn't know that we were going to need an article from Thomas Hall explaining how historically going forward they can find a coach that can salvage Russell Wilson. It boils down to that, though. Coaching, mm-hmm. coaching, coaching. They have a guy who still can play. You and I both feel that way. He is not completely washed. He is not irreparable. It's up to the next coach to maximize whatever strengths he has left, and he showed a few of them yesterday. He had a scramble in the fourth quarter. He didn't look old and slow and and washed. He looked like he could move a little still. He had a throw with pressure in his face. He threw a a long pass down the field. That's an old-school Russell Wilson type play. He's showing that you can still make lemonade with his game, but if you don't have the right – I don't know, chef to make that lemonade, it's going to taste pretty bad. So, Garth, hang on one second. We're going to get you. Hang tight one second. I just want to connect one last thing on this piece, okay, Uh, that's relative to Broncos history. Tom writes, I'm going to quote him, one final piece of good news before putting a bow on the analysis, Broncos legend John Elway. He had otherworldly talent and was destined for the Hall of Fame, but his early career from a statistical perspective was not very good. True. Elway had one great season. By the age at, at the age of 27, but the rest of his campaigns were mediocre to poor. Then he turned 33 and had the greatest season of his career, followed by five more top 400 quarterback seasons of all time. He is the only quarterback in history to accomplish that feat, to turn 33 and then uh, have six top 400 quarterback seasons. And then he says this, the reason may be simple. Elway got into a system built to get the best out of him. Under Dan Reeves, where he was before, It's no secret that the Broncos offense was underutilizing Elway's talents. But in 93, when Elway had his best season, Reeves was gone. Jim Fossil became the OC under then head coach Wade Phillips. And Fossil brought with him the West Coast offense. Elway thrived. Then in 95, Mike Shanahan took the helm and continued to create a stellar offense for Elway, which is over. uh, That is often overlooked as a key for great quarterbacks. For Wilson, Hackett is likely the wrong person. So he's the Dan Reeves uh, to get the most out of his skills. Etc. So I just wanted to throw that. It's kind of fun, the Elway history. Listen, you know, I, I went through an offseason where people were comparing Russell Wilson to Peyton Manning. I'm not going to start comparing him to John Elway. Different quarterbacks, different circumstances, different time periods. Elway wasn't being paid $250 million. You know, Elway didn't have the same off-the-field baggage, I guess you can call it, from Russell Wilson's social media tone deafness to the commercials that he's making. It's two different situations entirely. What boils down to is the fact that Nathaniel Hackett was not the right coach for us, and they have to find the good coach for Russell Wilson this next time around. Okay, Scott, let's get him. Sorry, bud. Sorry we kept you waiting so long, Garth. Let's get to this Hackett business. I know it's probably still on the same uh, uh, beaten path that we were discussing, but we appreciate your patience, big dog. He wants to know, would Mike McDaniel or Kevin O'Connell bring in college buddies like Hackett did? I love Hackett, but this NFL is a no-joke business. Imagine if Jim Ursay, I almost said German Ursay, owned this team. Um, I'm trying to remember. Other than Ajiro Evero, which is the only coaching success he's had, Nathaniel Hackett, was there another college bro that he brought in? Uh, the, the assistant secondary coach. I can't remember. Ola Adams, I think his name is, from Temple. Uh I don't know if he was buddies with him, though, but the point being made is that there's cronyism going on. And like Justin Allen, there's no reason why he should have a job. I mean, Butch Berry, he should have been fired weeks ago. Every one of Hackett's choices has been bad. That's because Hackett himself is a bad head coach. So the crap rolls downhill, as they say. Yeah. So going back to the piece 
you wrote on Ola Adams. Um, I'm just skimming through this real quick here. Yeah, former. Uh, ooh. Well, it's it's unclear off a surface read real quick, but um, okay, Daniel, appreciate you, bro. Broncos country until the day I die. However, it's not worth seeing our offense play like this. I feel bad for our defense because they are decent. I won't be delusional, however, with the trouble we are in, Denver Broncos for life. Well, I mean, even Justin Simmons um, at the podium yesterday after the game was like, yeah, dude, like we knew. So we're, everyone's castigating the offense for the nine points and the failure to even get into the red zone, and justifiably so. Justin Simmons said, look, we knew what kind of game this was going to be. We knew it was going to be a low-scoring, slug-it-out, physical game where it was going to come down to the end, and we didn't get it done. And we anticipated it being just like the way it was, but we didn't cut the mustard when when the chips were down. So that doesn't... Um, you know, that doesn't free the Broncos offense, Zach, from complicity and responsibility in, I mean, honestly, when you lose Lamar Jackson in the first half and you're quarterbacked by a man named Russell Wilson, that should have been 27-10. That's what that game should have been in a freaking normal universe of the NFL. But it ended up being a 10-9 loss. Here's the thing, though. It was less about Russell Wilson versus Tyler Huntley as it was Nathaniel Hackett versus John Harbaugh. And when it's Hackett versus Harbaugh, no contest. You saw what could happen. Um, the defense is complicit for their breakdown. I mean, 91 yards in crunch time. They're more than decent. You know, they're they're good to very good. But to me, they're not truly elite, truly championship caliber. Championship caliber defenses do not let teams go 91 yards down the field with a backup quarterback and take the game-winning lead with seconds remaining in the contest. But That's the Broncos right. are very good. They're much better on defense than they are on offense. All sides of the ball, specials included, with Montreal Washington, are complicit for yesterday's result. Matt, what's up, buddy? Matthew Beatty in the house saying, what do you guys think about signing Baker Mayfield? No. This is a hot topic today because no. the Panthers waived him to a cheap deal. Didn't he get cut, Zach? Uh, give every, in case they missed it, tell them what happened today with Baker and why this is a conversation. He was he asked for and was granted his release, and the Panthers uh, waived him. So that's the difference. If you uh, claim him off waivers, you take on his contract. And I think Scott said before the show it was like one point three million for this year, and it's not a lot of money for Baker Mayfield. But I think he brings more negative. I know you're a bigger fan than I am, and I was a huge fan of was. Baker coming out. Yeah, but he to me is not worth the hype anymore. He's not worth the baggage. I know he had a decent stint in Carolina where teammates thought well of him, but the same cannot be said for his exit in Cleveland. And what's the point? There's five games left. You're going to bring Baker Mayfield into what? Push Russell Wilson or be a backup quarterback? It makes no sense. I think Baker should land in San Francisco where they only have Brock Purdy and now Josh Johnson on their 53. Yeah, if you exactly. If you didn't have Russ here locked into a unconscionable contract for the foreseeable future, um, then I, I would be a lot more amenable to the to the prospect. It maybe still wouldn't hurt to put in a waiver claim. I'm not saying I'd be totally against it, but then you bring in and invite the media firestorm. You now have a guy with some um, cachet, as flamed out as he was in Cleveland and now Carolina. His name still has cachet. You would get the backup quarterback stuff, being the most popular guy in town. 
It's just a it's just a bunch of problems the Broncos don't want because they're never going to go to him unless Russ got hurt. So Sam Bam, appreciate you, bro. Number two tonight says I saw this idea on a Facebook page. Dan Quinn as the head coach and Brian Schottenheimer as the offensive coordinator. Schottenheimer was Wilson's OC in Seattle from 18 through 2020, which were some of Russ's best years. Could you get on board with that? I could get on board with that. I could. I could, but I still want to see if it's possible to woo Sean Payton. That I know it's it's so unreasonable, guys. There's so many um, factors. The obstacles that the Broncos would have to overcome to get him here, so many of them are outside of their total control. Uh, but I still would be like, I'm telling you, I just have a sneaking suspicion. And maybe cut to January 15, 2023, you guys can look back on this episode and clip this pod and tell me how freaking wrong I was. But I have a sneaky suspicion, just something in my gut, that when the Broncos fire Nathaniel Hackett, Zach, it's going to be a Don Corleone type of move. Dude, like these Walton Penner dudes that are billionaires, they're going to throw that weight around a little bit to get us this problem solved. Yeah, I can definitely see Greg Penner taking the reins and making a gigantic offer to you know Sean Payton, maybe someone like Bruce Arians. Maybe Jim Harbaugh, if he entertains NFL overtures for another offseason, I do not know. This is the scuttlebutt, though, Sam. If Quinn were to come, he'd likely take Schottenheimer, who right now is working as a consultant or advisor or whatever, special assistant in Dallas. So they're working together right now. The thing with Schottenheimer, if you know him, he was not a good coordinator with the Jets uh, back in the early 2010s. And in Seattle, him and Russell Wilson reportedly bumped heads a lot. And I believe it was because of Russ that Schottenheimer got his walking papers from the Seahawks. So Dan Quinn would be okay, I guess, as a head coach, provided he would keep his Euro Evero around. But you got to do better at OC. To me, Dan Quinn and a Frank Reich ticket would be much better case scenario than Quinn and Schottenheimer. It's pick what's the most important thing to you. If it's meta you know, 10,000 foot view of the best possible coach, irrespective of Russell Wilson's uh, previous working history. It's just a, the coach you think is going to do the best job. Or is it the, a, a coach who has a track record like a Daryl Bevel, uh, Schottenheimer, someone that actually has some experience getting the most out of Russ? Those are decisions that these guys are going to have to, to, you know, to, to figure out here in, Less than well, about a month's time. I think it's a realistic idea, though, Sam, uh, because the Broncos would likely go for a experienced or retread head coach. Dan Quinn would fit that bill. And I don't think the next head coach is going to call his own plays like Hackett tried to do. So hiring Quinn to come in and run the team and maybe run the defense or, or be involved in the defense and hire a experienced, talented, proven coordinator Maybe someone like Schottenheimer, that could be the way to go for George Payton. The safe, not sexy move, but the safe move, the high floor move, could be what the Broncos need to get, at least get back into competency, that range. What do you say to Adam Baumgartner, who says, I'm tired, this is on Facebook, I'm tired of Broncos fans making all these excuses for this clown, Russ. I guarantee Patrick Mahomes in this exact same offense with all the injuries would get us 24 points a game at least. Elite quarterbacks make it happen. Look at Joe Burrow with his O-line this year, Zach. 
I mean, look at Joe Burrow in the game yesterday against Kansas City. The throw he made, I think it was on third down toward the end of the game to really put it away for Cincinnati, cold-blooded. But how many Burrows exist? How many Mahomes exist? Not many. They're a unicorn, especially Mahomes. So, yeah, a better quarterback probably would have produced better. But if you want to create the blame pie on the Broncos for their offensive ineptitude, to me, Russell Wilson is a smaller slice of that than Nathaniel Hackett or injuries. But it's everyone. It's not one or the other. It's the quarterbacking. It's the play calling. It's the injuries. It's the coaching. It's the O-line. It's the running backs. It's the receivers. It is literally everything has gone into making the Broncos offense what it is to this day, which is historically inept. Um, also, Zach, it's worth mentioning that, <clears throat> pardon me, Patrick Mahomes just turned 27 and didn't play his rookie year. And Russ, he's 34 in his 11th season, has been a starter since day one. So you've got about, what, seven years of father time vagaries there that it's not an apples to apples comparison, Adam. So hope you understand that. Plus the dog. talent level, as Scott pointed out in the private chat, look who Burrow has in Cincinnati. You know, their number two or number three guy in Cincinnati, uh, T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd, would be a number one on the Broncos team as it's constructed right now. You have Joe Mixon at running back, but even when he's out, Samaji Pirine would be the Broncos starter considering the talent level in the backfield. So you can bring the quarterback over, but having Mahomes won't matter if he's on his back after a second. If you don't fix the O-line, it doesn't matter who you have a quarterback and y'all should know that by now after six seasons most definitely zach coming out of yesterday's game uh we're about out of time we got we anything burning on your minds guys get them in the chat we'll do our best to get to it because we we got to say goodbye here uh shortly but kamani dixon says y'all don't want to give hackett <clears throat> pardon me one more year to see if he could turn it around we gave fangio um and i forgot the other coach three years well VJ got two years. Elway wanted to fire him after one year. Joel is strong armed that. And then, yes, uh, Fangio got three years, which means you wasted two additional years that you didn't necessarily have to. So think of that, Kimani. Um, no, I don't. I've seen what I, there has not been a single redeeming quality about Nathaniel Hackett that would tell me, I mean, what? He's liked in the locker room, you know. He's the guy that you would call if, you know, you need a break dancer on weekends. Yeah, you need a break dancer. You need a DJ. Uh, you need a hug in the wee hours of the morn. <laughs> he'll take care of you. Yeah, he'll definitely cuddle with you, but I don't want him coaching my football team. Um, I don't want to give him one more year. It's not just the offense being historically bad. It's the fact that he's not a true leader of men. And his fiasco with Melvin Gordon proved that. I, I mean, him failing to yield a punt returner on a series uh, proved that. The home crowd counting down the play clock proved that, Chad. I mean, it's been one failure after another after another, and he showed you who he was as a head coach. And like anybody else, if they show you who they are, believe them. Mike Likens, thank you for the stars, my friend, on Facebook. Appreciate you, bud. He says, it seems like we should have traded Jerry Judy before the deadline. Could have used the extra picks to address the O-line. I'm trying to remember, Zach, if he was still on uh, – if he was still sidelined during that time. 
But what say you over as a as a meta topic? I don't think he was. Otherwise, he'd have no trade value, and his name wouldn't pop up anyway. But um, you couldn't do it at the deadline because they had just beaten Jacksonville, and technically the season was still alive. And you couldn't strip Russell Wilson of more weapons. He was already desperate for weaponry as it was. You can't take away, arguably, at the time, his number one receiver. Jerry Judy might be trending toward bust, but I think the Broncos did the right thing, hanging on to him and seeing what he can do with Russell Wilson for a full season. By the way, you're right. He appeared in weeks one through eight. Uh, so that corresponds right up till the trade deadline because week eight, the next day was the trade deadline. So that was the Jacksonville game. Uh, Mike Likens, you're the man, dude. Thanks, bud. Appreciate you. But, guys, we're uh, we're out of time. We're going to dip on out of here for tonight. Love you. We got a few things we want to want to tell you, though, before we dip. Unfortunately, Mike, as well, even if they would have got the pick for Jerry Judy, no guarantee George Payton would have used it on the O-line anyway. But that was the Mile High Huddle podcast. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at the MHH Pod, the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL, and Scott, our producer at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch like Chad's rocking right now, I'm rocking right now. You know what it is, where it is, huddleuppod.com. Check that ish out. And facebook.com slash Pod. Be sure you're liking that page and following that page. If you haven't, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some of that sweet, sweet merch each and every month. But if anything, as you see taking below you, please subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans, just like you, Todd. Todd, pardon me, jumping in at the 11th hour with a super chat. Appreciate that, Todd, and how consistent you are just being in the chat, helping keep the combo going. We appreciate you, bro. Is it better, he says, to fix the O-line in free agency, Zach, or the draft? Do you have yes. a particular philosophy? Yes, all of yes. it. G- give me all of the resources available to fix the O-line. I actually like Nick's idea is to sign Elgin Jenkins, the guard from the Packers. I would throw massive money at him to replace Dalton Reisner, and I would use my first-round pick to draft a right tackle, maybe someone like Broderick Jones. But they should use all avenues – cap space, draft capital to address the O-line. That is the singular biggest priority George Payton or the next GM would have in 2023. Shout out to these great Super Chat superstars tonight. Garth Knight, Chris Chances, Don Juan, Sam Bam leading the way, and Todd Ostendorf, pardon me, on Facebook. Appreciate the star support from Matthew Beatty, Phil McLaughlin, legend. Mike Likens, David Wilder, legend. Daniel Vasquez working his way up toward legendary status much love and respect and guys before we say good night gotta remind you we kicked this off about a week ago all right um and we're just getting started we have some huge plans but make sure you are following us our brand new channel on tiktok okay we've got some big plans scott and i zach we're putting a lot of tlc into getting this thing up and off the ground but we need each and every one of you that listen every single day whether it's on demand on Apple Podcasts or we're live in the room on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Twitch to head on over to TikTok and give us a follow because we got some big plans for that once we get to scale. And uh, we just opened it up last week and we're doing the best we can to make sure everybody knows it's there. But if you're not using TikTok, then hey, don't worry about it. But if you're on TikTok, make sure you come follow us because we got some dope plans 
for that channel. Love you guys. I believe there's a fresh episode of Broncos for Breakfast tomorrow morning. Tomorrow night is building the Broncos. We're off until Thursday evening. Hope you guys have a great start to your week. We'll see you on Thursday. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.